Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Winter Circle. I've, of course, excuse me, it's been a while. I'm sorry, I can't even talk now. I, of course, am your host, Anthony Wynn. Uh, again, I, I know it's been long. Uh, it's been longer than I've ever delayed another episode. It's been, it's been a lot of shit going on, man. So, you know, I, I know I there's times where I have two-week lulls. Or, well, it's been an entire month since I've recorded last. I do apologize for that. Um, put a few new people onto the to the pod, and, and they're looking forward to some of the episodes coming out. I know most of you that listen on the regular have been waiting on it, so... I do apologize. Just a lot of crap going on, so haven't been able to get on to uh, to really uh, record. Haven't had much time, but we're here today, man. And look, I mean, to say that there's been a lot going on in sports, especially in New York lately, um, would be the understatement of the century. <clears throat> so let's just get right into it, man. Aaron Rodgers was on McAfee Wednesday, confirms that he wants to be a Jet, and he intends to play for the Jets. And now the Packers seem to have dug their heels on on compensation and things like that, which is ridiculous, but we'll get into all that. That's just one thing. Jets fans got to be feeling hyped about that. Um, The Giants and Daniel Jones came to uh, an agreement on a deal, thankfully. Went went literally up to the minute of where... uh, the franchise tag deadline was so thankfully they got a deal done i'm happy with the deal overall it's a four-year 160 million dollar deal you can argue that is too much but we'll we'll get into that because they've been doing a whole lot during free agency and everything like that so we'll get into the giants uh the knicks man the knicks are, are keeping their head above water i mean you know you got brunson out right now they went two and two on this on this last road trip so, you know, they closed out the road trip well. And they got Denver coming up uh, tomorrow, a matinee game. So we'll see what they do. We'll get into them a little bit. Um, Yankees, of course, are dealing with injuries, of course. Um, Volpe is a stud. And they're talking about IKF and center. We'll see. Well, I, I'm, I'm pretty frustrated with them right now, but 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 we'll get into them. Um I don't know if anybody watched the World Baseball Classic a couple days ago and saw the Edwin Diaz injury, uh, freak-ass injury. Could have happened at any moment, but huge deal for the Mets. We'll get into that a little bit. And the Rangers get Patrick Kane. I mean, I remember talking to you a month ago saying that they might be in on him, and it looked like they were, and they eventually got him. So the Rangers get Kane. You know they haven't been they haven't been playing amazing hockey, uh, but you know it seems like the first round matchups are pretty much set in stone, and I'll get into that a little bit too. So, yeah, man, I think I'm gonna open up with that Diaz injury though. I think it. I think I. I'm gonna start there because it's been a very high topic of conversation this week. Of course, you know with already you know people questioning the World Baseball Classic and it happening in March you know, right before the season starts. You know, a lot of these guys are missing spring training um, to be with these teams. And look, for those who don't know what the World Baseball Classic is, it's essentially baseball's version of the World Cup. You know how the World Cup 
Because you got, so- you know, soccer's got the World Cup, all that shit. Um, baseball's not an Olympic sport. They created this thing about 20 years ago. And it seems to be getting a l- bigger and bigger each year. Um, look, we could argue and go back and forth. <clears throat> um, let's just get into injury, by the way. Edwin Diaz, the closer, who just signed, by the way, a five-year deal um, to stay with the Mets. You know, he... he He's closing, obviously, for the Puerto Rico, and it was Puerto Rico against Dominican Republic. And look, for those who don't know, this is like a rivalry, like the big one of the biggest rivalry games ever, especially for these countries. I mean, these guys are playing baseball all year round, and you know, Diaz himself came out before the game and said, "This is like pitching a Game Seven of the World Series." So this means a lot to these guys. And if you watch the game, you could see the crowd was crazy. I mean, the the electric atmosphere that they had for this game, it was insane. If you if you never watched baseball before and that was your first game that you ever watched, I don't know how you can not watch baseball after that because it was a great game. And the Dominican Republic were favored by, I think they were a minus 450 favorite. So, look, it, it was a crazy game. And, look, Diaz went in and closed it and did what Diaz does. He struck out the side to end the game. And they celebrated. Because, to them, that's a huge, huge, huge game and a huge moment. Beating the team that they beat. They they knocked them out of the, the whole thing. They knocked them out of the tournament. The Dominican Republic is going home. All those players are going back to their teams. So, it's a big deal. And And, you know, during the celebration, you know, they're jumping around. They're jumping around, and then all of a sudden, you just see the players like start going into a panic, calling for trainers to get on the field, all that shit, and you're wondering like who's down, and it's Edwin Diaz. And it came out later on, um, actually yesterday, that it's a patella tendon. He tore his patella tendon. He had surgery yesterday. He's, he's expected to be out six to eight months, most likely eight months. So he's going to miss the entire season. And, you know, this begs the question about timing and really about is it smart for these players to play in this tournament? So I feel, and this is how baseball feels clearly, because let's just get this out of the way. The the WBC is an MLB-sanctioned event. Like the MLB, Major League Baseball, created this tournament. Since there was no baseball in the Olympics, you know, all that baseball didn't have a tournament like this, like a world national tournament like this. Um, So they created this about 20 years ago. So the MLB actually created it. And with that being said, they put provisions in there that they said to teams that they cannot force their players not to play in the tournament. It's all on the players. If the players want to play, they can play. Period. The the teams can't. The only way the teams can force a player to not play is injury concerns. For instance, the Mets did it with Starlin Marte this year because Marte was hurt all, pretty much the whole. You know, he was up. He was out for like two or three months prior to the playoffs, and he came back for the playoffs. But you know, they they're using that to you know that provision there to to make him not go to the 
WBC because they want to make sure he's going to be healthy for them. And, you know, they that was approved and everything like that. That's the only way a player can't go because the team said no. You know what I mean? The same thing the Yankees did with Luis Severino. They did the same thing with him. There's no way he's getting sent out to a WBC team. I forgot who he'd play for. I think Venezuela. And there's no way he'd go out there, pitch for them, and then maybe get injured for them. Like, if he's going to get injured, the Yankees want him to get injured for playing for the Yankees. Now, I understand all that. But these players decide to do this. Edwin Diaz would do it again if it meant doing what he did in that game. Like, honestly. So... To sit here and kill the WBC like it needs to stop, it needs to end. First of all, if it makes the MLB money, it ain't going to end. That's one. Two, the players want to do it. So why would you take that away from them and cause even more beef between them and the owners? Baseball players and owners, the Players Association and the owners, already have enough animosity towards each other. They don't need more. Why, Why would you give them more? So... The players want to play in it. You hear tr- players like Trout and Mookie Betts talking about this is the most fun they ever had playing baseball. And Pete Alonso, Pete Alonso, who's another Met, played first base, and he was going to get taken out, and he was screaming to the dugout, no, I'm not coming out. And he said after the game, how many times am I going to be able to put this uniform on and play for my country? So it means something to these guys. Now, what I will say is there's an argument to be had about moving the tournament. This is a thing that happens every four years, just like the Olympics, just like the World Cup. And they play it before the season. And I'm not sure if that's the greatest idea. I think they have to consider it moving to maybe like mid-November when they do play. Because you got to think, listen, you can argue to me, you know, these teams play a whole year. Some teams are going, only two teams are going to the World Series. So let's just get that out of your head right now. You know, a nice little postseason run. You're still going to have, most guys are still going to have three, four weeks off before the tournament even starts. Okay? So that's one. Two, if an injury, a freak injury like what happened the other day to Edwin Diaz happens, six to eight months, he's scheduled to come back by the All-Star break. You know what I mean? So... You're not going to lose him for an entire season. He just got done pitching an entire season for you. I don't see, you know, if they're going to do this tournament, which they're going to continue to do it, the players want it too bad. And it, if you if you see, they don't get much, like, they don't get good numbers on TV. But if you see the crowds at these games, they're packed, jam-packed. So people care about these games. And they make enough money to where they're going to continue doing this tournament. They just have to move it. Now, you can argue with the TV deals, Fox isn't going to keep them, which they're probably not because November you got football and college football. So I understand that, but you can't tell me somebody like, um, not CBS, maybe, I don't know, TBS or TNT or or. Hell, even ESPN. Why doesn't ESPN just do it? They, they, they. You know what I mean? I don't know. They could, that could happen. They could strike a deal with somebody. Maybe even a streaming service. That wouldn't surprise me either. There's ways to get around that. 
As long as there's going to be a way to watch it, it doesn't matter. So, you know. Now, let's get into the loss of Diaz for a second. I've also heard a lot of people not think this is a crazy big deal. And look, the true Mets fans that I know understand, they're heartbroken right now. They're heartbroken. And they're all bashing the WBC, blah, blah, blah. Look, I understand that feeling right now because it's your guy that got hurt like that, and I get it. But, again, just, just, oops, sorry, I hit the mic by accident. Just, just listen, if you just listen to what I said, it's not going to end. So, I think my solution will work. But, they know the t- the how big of a deal this loss is to their team. Because now they got to go find a closer. They have David Robertson, who's closed before, but he's 37, and you really don't know what you're going to get from him. He had a good year last year, but that was his first good year in a while. And trust me, I know all about David Robertson. He was a great setup guy for the Yankees. Great. Loved him. Was pissed off when he left. But they clearly saw something because he wasn't what he was with the Yankees after he left. But he's done it before. And you could, you know, find comfort in that. And I think he could do it. So for now, that's what you have working with. Zach Britton, who the Yankees did release, I think he just had a workout, actually. And the Mets were there, of course. And with the history with Buck in Baltimore, that'd probably be a nice little fit. And he can close, too. He's You're, you're just worried about health with him. He can never get on the field. So, But he's a good pitcher. Just to give you guys an idea of how big of a deal this is for the Mets, Edwin Diaz last year faced 235 batters. This guy struck out 118 of those batters. Struck him out. He struck out half the people he faced. That's in that's that's look, it's only one season, but last year Edwin Diaz was in Mariano Rivera category. This is coming from a Yankee fan. And don't sit there and scoff at it. Dude, there's no way. The, the only reason it became such a spectacle. So the first guy since Mo, by the way, that they would not go to commercial break when he entered the game because they have the whole entrance music for him and everything, just like Mo did. All right? He's not a spectacle like that if he ain't sh- mowing motherfuckers down. Edwin Diaz could have two runners on, second and third, no outs, come in and be like, all right, we're good still. It's okay. You needed three outs, four outs, five outs. Didn't matter last year. He did it. He did it. He did whatever he wanted. So his wins were above replacement was over three for a closer. The next highest reliever, I think, was a 2.4. He's by far the best reliever in the game and by far the best closer in the game. It's not close. So at the end of the day, this is a huge deal. The Mets have a good enough team to still be okay. I, I'm not sitting here saying it's this is going to sink their season. But the Mets fans that I know and the ones that understand baseball know how big of a deal this loss is. And it sucks. And it begs the question, should the WBC end because of it? No, it shouldn't end. I don't think it should end. It's too important to every to people. I enjoy watching the games. i got to be honest, I haven't watched every second of it. But I enjoy watching it. It's fun. And the players care. You could tell. So, 
I'm not going to sit here and say end the tournament. Just move it. Move it till after the season. You can't tell me that the players still won't play because they just played a long season. Get the fuck out of here. They love the game. They love it. They play the entire year anyway. So so miss me with that. All right. I'm just going to go into the Yankees now. And their their injuries are stacking up already. Amongst other things that are frustrating, Rodone is now going to be out probably for the first two and a half weeks of the season. Um, it's the same thing he dealt with last year. I want to say it's his shoulder. I don't remember, but it's his throwing shoulder. And he pitched through it last year. He admitted that because he knew he was playing for a contract, and he pitched well, of course. There's, they're not. He's not getting the contract he did without pitching well. I understand all of this. But the fact that the same thing is popping up now, um. That it concerns me, and now what are we going to do in the rotation? Because Cortez is out as well, and Montas is out for the year. So <laughs> we went from Cole, Rodon, Cortez, Nasty Nestor, and fucking uh, whoever you want to throw, Luis Severino, duh, and and Montas to now Cole Severino is probably going to be the second guy now. And then, enter name here. <laughs> These guys are hurt already, man. And it's frustrating because it's spring training. And guess what? No one went to the WBC on the Yankees. It's just frustrating, man. You got Bader, who's now going to miss opening day because he has an oblique. That's not a fun injury. And mind you, uh, remember last year, we traded for Bader while he was injured. Now, he was great in the postseason. And he's a really good player. I don't know if you watched any of his spring. He didn't play much, but when he did play, he was very effective. The dude can play. But if this injury shit is going to flare up and an oblique just doesn't go away, that makes me nervous. There's too much riding on all these guys that are already hurt to make me feel crazy confident. I love Judge, but I don't think he's going to do what he did last year. You can't expect him to. That's an all-time great season. All right? Giancarlo Stanton, we don't know what the hell he's doing. IKF, they're talking about putting in center field. Uh, I'll get into that in a second. But look, the, the key guys that are injured both have an injury history, and they're dealing with shit that, that we didn't even start yet. Imagine if they're playing in the WBC. But, like, what the hell are we doing in the outfield now with Bader being out? Like, what's going on here? Talking about IKF going to center field? Are we are we joking? Or I mean, are we joking? You had Judge in center field for half the year last year. Just put him there for now. You can't tell me you can't do that. Don't tell me it's the beginning of the season. He could do it. And have Stanton play right. Please have Cabrera be the starting left fielder. Please. Please, it better not be Hicks. If I see Aaron Hicks in a Yankee pinstripe uniform at all starting this season, I'm going to be very upset. The only time I'm going to be happy, I'm really not even going to be happy if he plays when he's just giving somebody a rest day. I I, I don't even want to see him pinch hit. Like, I don't want to see him. I don't. I wish we'd just buy him out and say bye. Pay him to not play. That's what I, That's how I feel about him. I feel the same about IKF. You're t- you're, you mean to tell me 
First of all, I'm hearing rumors about trading him to the Dodgers. I'll trade him, trade him to the Dodgers, please, for nothing, for cash. Get him off the team. Because if you're going to sit here and tell me you're going to try him in center field, that just tells me he's you're like hell-bent on getting him in the lineup. For what? I mean, you're talking about a guy who you brought in to play elite defensive shortstop because you knew that he didn't have a great bat. And then he didn't play elite defensive shortstop so much so, so that in the ALCS, you didn't know who you were going to put in shortstop. In the American League Championship Series, you don't know who your shortstop is. That's a major issue. And now, you're going to sit here and try to sell to me IKF in center field. No. No. I'd rather risk Giancarlo Stanton getting injured, it playing the outfield every day, than putting IKF in the outfield. I, just, I, don't, I don't get the logic there. It makes no sense to me. This is just stubbornness from Cashman, and it's really starting to aggravate the fuck out of me. It just really is. And before you call me spoiled, can you, like, argue with me? Do you think it makes sense to put IKF in center field? I want every Met fan on my timeline, in my phone. I want everybody to, I want everybody, I want somebody to call me spoiled. And then disagree with IKF being in center field. Not disagree with it, I mean. Like, come on, man. It just makes no sense. And the team just sounds dumb for doing it. It makes no sense. To some positive news about the Yankees, though, their young kids are balling. And I think Anthony Volpe needs to be the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees on opening day. Point blank, period, done. Signed, sealed, delivered. Get Torres out of here. Trade him for anything. I don't even care if we get anything for these guys. Put Volpe in. Get Peraza probably to play second. Or even put Volpe at second. You've put him there during the spring. Even if you want to keep Peraza on the roster and have him at short. I don't care. These kids need to play. These kids. This Volpe specifically. I don't care if he struggles. You need to show the faith in the guy that you haven't traded for two years now. For anybody that would help you win a championship. You're claiming that this dude's going to help you win a championship. And oh, by the way, the team thinks so too. Because you got Aaron Judge talking about how great he's been playing and deserves a spot on the team. And if you got vets talking about this kid in the locker room, want, and you could just tell they want the best players on the field. They don't want these guys that, you know, the hired guns that you brought in, like Donaldson and fucking IKF, to come in here and clog a hole in the lineup for a kid that deserves to be on the team and is probably better than both of them. It's just annoying that they keep playing this game with us. You won't trade him, play him. And he's balling right now. I get it's spring, and everybody's going to tell me that too. Everybody's going to say, well, it's spring training, and he's not seeing all these guys are working on their pitches. He's not seeing all major league pitching. I understand all that. I understand all that, but this guy hasn't proven you hasn't proven you wrong yet, or proven you r- right yet. I don't understand. I just don't get it. He he rakes everywhere he's at. He hasn't played Triple A ball. I understand that, but like, he killed it Double A. He's killing it in spring training right now. Let him kill it in the majors. Can we just let him do that? Just put him up there. Do what you did with Jeter. 
Jeter never played AAA ball when he got brought up. Go watch the captain. And he struggled. He was bad. But he figured it out. You got to do it with him. You got to do it with Volpe. He needs to be on the team. He needs to be on the team. Look at the spring he's having. Move Torres. Have Peraza on the roster. Cabrera starting left fielder. Volpe at short or at second. Peraza at short or at second. And then you put you plug DJ in at third or at first. You know what I mean? Or you could DH Torres, have DJ play. Well, no. See, that, that would take time away from DJ. But you know what? With DJ not being healthy all the damn time, I don't know, man. I'm not sure. I'm not so sure that I. I hate it. I hate the kids playing over him. I don't hate it. This is my personal opinion. Oh, hold on. My notes got messed up. Look, everything coming out of this spring seems like the vets want this, these young guys to play, and I think the team should freaking listen to them. You got Judge the captain now saying what he said about Volpe specifically. Come on, man. This kid needs to make the 40-man roster. He just does. He just does. All right, I'm going to end it there with the freaking baseball. There's been a lot going on in baseball. I can't believe I did that much time on it. But it's been a huge topic of conversation. Spring training's really ramped up. This WBC stuff really became a topic because of this injury, unfortunately. I mean, not many people were talking about it prior to that. But it's it's a fun tournament. It's very unfortunate. Dude, I feel sick for Mets fans. I'm not even going to lie. Like, that sucks. I watched that shit live, and I was very confused. And I saw him get carried off, and he got put in a wheelchair. It sucked to watch. It sucked to watch. Because whether he's a Met or not, I love seeing the dude pitch. I love it. I love when the trumpets come on, when he gets enter- when he you know he enters the game. It's it sucks, man. And I feel for you Mets fans. You guys will be okay, but it is a big loss, and you shouldn't downplay it. <clears throat> All right, I'm gonna get into a little bit of hockey now. I won't spend too much time on the Rangers, but they got the Kane deal done. Um, and look, man, the the team's just been trying to find their way. You know what I mean? And they're six three and one in their last ten. You know they've won two in a row now. They just beat uh, Pittsburgh last night. They beat Washington the other night. Um, Shesterkin really hasn't been Shesterkin this year, and I don't think it's fair to really expect him. Like, I'll make the comparison with Judge, right? Like, do not expect Aaron Judge to have the season he had last year. If he does, awesome. But, like, that was a a once-in-a-lifetime year. And don't get it twisted. It really was. And Shesterkin had the same type of year last year. He almost broke the freaking, um, what is it, the goals against? I think he broke the goals against the save percentage. He almost shattered the save percentage, but he dwindled down at the end there a little bit, but... He hasn't been the same this year, but he's still been really good. I mean, he has 31 wins. <laughs> the guy has 31 wins. I think he's second right now in the league, or tied for second. So he's still been great. Um, It just seems like with all the firepower the team has right now, they're trying to defer a little bit too much. Like, you see Kane. I saw one play last night, Kane trying to get an assist to Kreider, and they left the net wide open. Well, not the net, but like he—it he, was him and the goalie. Like the defender was le- like kind of cheating towards Kreider, 
and he still passed it. And I like that's a that's a that's a play that stuck in my mind all night because they kept giving up the one goal lead. And I was just like, damn, you shoot that puck there, you might score. I mean, I mean, you're an elite scorer. Shoot the puck. But I get it, man. New team. You don't want to be stepping on toes. You want to, you know, you're trying to win. I understand you're trying to make a smart play. But, man, you are you you might be, I mean, dude, this, this you can argue Patrick Kane is the greatest American-born hockey player to ever play the game. You can argue that, okay? So this dude's a stud, and I just don't like the deferring. I will say this, though. A lot of the deferring, I feel like, is caused by Gallant, who keeps switching up lines. And I get you're trying to see what clicks, but I don't know how you're going to get anything to click on a consistent basis if there's zero continuity between the lines because you keep changing them. The only consistent line is the kid line. With Hedl, Lafreniere, and Kako. That's the only consistent line. They, He's smart not to change that line. He should never change that line. They, Those kids fly. Lafreniere and Kako have come alive a little bit recently. Hedl's always a... I, I love Hedl. Hedl's one of my favorite players on the team. But every other line gets jumbled, flip-flopped, goes all over the place. You'll have Kane, Kreider, and Zibanejad one minute, and then... You know, second period comes, you got Panarin, Kane, and fucking uh, Tarasenko, and then Tarasenko, Zabinajad, Kreider, and then Kreider, Tarasenko, Panarin. Like, can we stick to something? Can we stick to something, please? You're just, I feel like you're just trying too hard. I just feel like you're trying too hard. My personal opinion, you get Panarin, Kane, Tarasenko, one line. You got the you got the history with Panarin and Kane in Chicago. Tarasenko and Panarin are best friends. I think the camaraderie already built there will help that line succeed. I don't think they would defer too much. I think they would understand the talent that they have on that line alone. And then you go ahead and put Kreider, Zabenajad. <clears throat> Who am I missing out of the top six? bothering me why am i blanking on names right now this is a joke sorry i just put a highlight on by accident i did not mean to do that but i don't know look i I, at the end of the day at the end of the day stop changing the lines around i get wanting to find the best combo but i don't know how you could build the continuity if if they just keep flip-flopping around all right Another thing, too, that I do want to bring up about this team late, uh, as far as their recent play is concerned, Lindgren has been out of the lineup for the last nine games. Now, he skated on his own yesterday, I heard, uh, you know, from the telecast of the game. So that's a really good sign. He's skating, which tells me he's going to be back soon. And that's exciting because it's been a big loss for the Rangers, to say the least. Now, you know, Miller getting suspended for the two games didn't help either, so they were playing with four defensemen for about a week and a half. And so Lindgren being out has affected Fox negatively because normally those are the two that are together, and Fox in his recent play hasn't been Adam Fox. I mean, this dude's, you know, he's one defensive player of the year in this league. Like, he's a really good defensive player, and and 
without Lindgren there, it, it kind of shows his little a little bit of his quirks, unfortunately. But still a great player. But he, it, it, his his play has dipped lately with the loss of Lindgren. Um, until he's back, I think the defense is behind the eight ball a little bit, which is why I don't kill Shesterkin, you know, for not having the same year as he had last year. And he's been better recently. But, you know, I, I thought I got myself thinking last night, you know, when's the last time I saw Shesterkin get a shutout? And I, believe it or not, shutouts are more rare than you think. But he hasn't had many this year. In fact, I only think he has one. Um, So, you know, he hasn't had the same year. But still, again, 31, and, 31 wins. 31 wins is not nothing to sneeze at. I mean, he's winning. That's all that really matters. But until Lindgren's back, I think the de- defense is behind the eight ball a little bit. But it sounds like he's close to coming back, thankfully. You know, they got 14 games left. Right now, I think, so yeah, right now we're seven points back of the two spot, which is the Devils in the Metro. And then we're 10 up on the Isles and the Penguins. So they, those are the two with the wild card spots. And so we're third in the Metro, seven back of... Uh, New Jersey and look there's a shot we can sneak up um to second with 14 games left I mean that's what is that 28 points you can make up seven points out of 28 you could do that depends on how Jersey plays and they haven't been playing terrific hockey to say the least lately but they've been good all year um, and I think you play them one more time before the season ends. Let me look at that real quick. I'll see that. Yeah, you play at New Jersey, um, March 30th. And yeah, that's your last game against them. So, and I think they, I think, I think they have two games in hand. I think that might be Carolina with the two games in hand. No, yeah, they've played the same amount of games as the Devils. So look, you got a chance there. Because look, you got the Penguins again coming up on Saturday, and by the way, the scheduling for this for this year was horrible. You play the Islanders, you play all the games against the Islanders, in like the not even the fir- it's like the first quarter of the season. Then you don't see them again at all, which is ridiculous. And then you get the Penguins twice in a row, and oh, by the way, you just played them last weekend. You got them three times in a week. The hell is that? But either way. You got them again on Saturday night. Then you go up against Nashville, who they're not a bad team, on Sunday, back-to-back. Then you got the Hurricanes Tuesday night at at home, and then you play them back-to- well, it's not a back-to-back, but you get them on Thursday again in Carolina, which I was going to go to that game, but unfortunately can't make it this time. And those are actually big games. Because Carolina right now is two games in hand on you, and you're eight points back behind them. Damn, Jersey's only a point back on them. That's crazy. So really, you have a shot to to get up there. You do. You got two more games left against Carolina. That's those are two important games. You can get you can gain four points right there. That's crazy. So look, man, they got a shot here. But look, it seems like either way it moves, Devils are the most likely outcome in the first round. So, you can still sneak up there, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens with 14 games left. That'll be a fun little stretch there if the Rangers can start putting this thing together. Wow. 
But yeah, no, playoffs are imminent. So we're right around the corner from that. Let's get into the Knicks a little bit because I, I do want to spend a lot of time on the Jets and the Giants of, and what they've done. And so the Knicks, you know, I went two and two, two and two on their West Coast trip um, after having a bad loss at home to Charlotte. Um, you know, they opened up the trip against against the Kings, lost to them. Then they played the Clippers, lost to them. Um, and then they were able to salvage the two wins against the Lakers and the Blazers. So those are good wins, especially without Brunson. I'm going to get into that. It's just he's just, he's just such a big loss. He's such a big loss, especially with how he's played. You know, he runs the offense. You could tell Randall's more comfortable with him in the lineup. Um, but you know, he's currently day to day with the foot injury. Um, I don't love that he was on the road trip. I think that he could have just stayed in New York and you know help rest and rehab that that foot a little bit. But it, you know, he seems like he's all right now. I saw him at the Ranger game last night. It didn't look like he had a boot on. He was walking, so that's a good sign. But didn't think he had to be there. I mean, you kind of figured he wasn't going to play any of the games, but whatever. Let's be real. This team's dream of getting out of the first round ain't happening without him. So, first and foremost, this dude needs to be healthy. I got to give props props to Emmanuel quickly, though, because he's been amazing in the backup role. Now, um, and the bench as a whole really has stepped up and played really, really well. And you could thank Josh Hart for that, by the way. Josh Hart has been probably the most underrated pickup of the trade deadline. Not to Knicks fans, but around the league. I mean, he's the quintessential Nick. Like, he just plays hard. He dives for every ball. He talks a little bit of trash. And he does everything. He almost had a triple-double the other night against the Blazers. He had 16, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. I mean, <laughs> come on. The dude just does everything. And he's been a big reason. Like, I love the dude. I love the dude. You saw, you heard him the other night because, you know, I was about to bring this up. Tibbs and him playing these guys, these heavy minutes like he is, you know, you can argue it's, you know, making them tired and it probably is they're probably wore down a little bit and you probably I think you saw that in the first two games of the road trip and I think you really saw that initially in that Charlotte game too um because those that that overtime game you know you got IQ playing 55 minutes you got Randall playing 52 minutes like these guys are playing heavy 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 minutes and then you got a long West Coast trip. So you're playing heavy minutes. Then you got to get on a plane for six hours. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then you got to play a game on a time zone where you're not used to. You know, so it's a lot. Um, so I think you saw, you know, just a little bit of, of, of just tired legs in the first two games on that road trip. And then they showed out against the Lakers. Randall had a really good game. IQ had a great game. You got to give him a lot of credit for being for being put in this position. You know, stepping in for Brunson while he's out 
And I, you knew, you knew quickly he's a good player. Like he, he's up for six man of the year for a reason. And I think with his play lately, I think he's going to win it. I really do. I think he's going to win it. And he's been a major, major, major factor for this team. You just got to give him all the credit in the world. Uh, look, at the end of the day, do you th- do I think the minutes thing is going to be an issue? I don't. Randall and Hartenstein are the only two players in the league that have played every single game. And it's just what they do. It's just what they do. I mean, I heard the other day, you know, while, yes, he is playing a high amount of minutes a game, it's actually less than what he played on average last year. So, and I'm talking about Randall. So, look, these guys are used to playing all games. So, am I going to be upset? That Tibbs is playing them like that? No, because this is what they do. And look, they're 41-30 and 30 with 11 games left. Right now, they're two and a half games up on Brooklyn for the five seed. So they're in the five seed. And they're a game and a half back of Cleveland for the four seed. I know they play Cleveland one more time. And they've played well against Cleveland. If they can get to that four seed, great. But it is imperative that this team stays in the five seed. Because a first-round matchup against either Boston or Philadelphia, I'm good on that. I'm good on that. I don't want to see either of those teams in the first round. That doesn't mean I don't think we have no chance. I think we have a chance. I think we have a chance against either Philly or Boston. I hate the matchup against Philly because Joel Embiid is just a beast. And James Harden still facilitates like he normally does. And he can hit a three in your grill. So... I don't love that matchup. I don't think we'd get blown out of the building. I like the matchup better against Boston. You've shown that you can beat Boston. I still don't think in a seven-game series you beat Boston, but I like that matchup better. I just don't want to see either of those teams in the first round. I'm good on that. I'm good on that. Let let that feisty Nets team you know, wear those dudes down a little bit because that Nets team is not going to be in the play, and I can tell you that. They'll stay there at six because Mikael Bridges is balling right now. But it is imperative for the Knicks to stay where they're at. If you want to move up and play well enough to get to four, great. Great. Do it. That means you got a home series against Cleveland. That's what I want in the first round. But if you stay in the five seed, you got an away series against Cleveland. Whatever. Cleveland's the matchup. Cleveland's the matchup. That's it. Period. That's all I want. That's all I want. Brunson coming back will be a big deal, but he needs to stay healthy, and that's going to linger in the back of your mind to see if he can. But Because, again, I'll make this point one more time. You have no chance against anybody if you don't have Brunson. Let's just be honest. I don't care who you're playing. You can be playing Brooklyn in the first round, which you won't be, but I don't care who you're playing. (laughs) So it's imperative he comes back, but it's imperative the Knicks stay at the five seed, first and foremost. And then get healthy for the playoffs. All right, enough. We're at 43 minutes here. So I got to start talking football. And, of course, I'm going to be bringing up the Aaron Rodgers saga of of it all. This has been a nutty three weeks that I haven't talked to y'all. And Aaron Rodgers, I remember writing notes for the episode that I initially was going to record. And then things happened. And it said, Aaron Rodgers, the Jets seem to be the favorite to land him. That's what it was. Well, 
That has been confirmed, and I've been saying it pretty much since the offseason started, pretty much since all these rumors have come out talking about how he may play for the Jets, that he was going to be a Jet, and he finally has verbally committed to wanting to come to the Jets. Now, prior to all of this, everybody was under the assumption that the compensation and the trade just the trade compensation between both teams had been ironed out, ready to go. Everybody was just waiting on Aaron Rodgers to make a decision. That's what it all was. It was, oh, he's being a nozzle again. He's making everybody wait again. All, all this, all that. Well, that was completely um, debunked when he came out and said, I've made my decision since last Friday, and... That I made it clear to both teams that I wanted to be a Jet and I wanted to play. And now we're just waiting on the compensation. Where all it was prior to that was, we're just waiting on you. So he kind of just shut that all down. And it begs the question, what the hell is happening? What the hell is happening? Because... All of a sudden, the why? First of all, why would the Packers let the Jets? Because the Packers have him under contract, so they need they had to give the Jets permission to talk to him. So why would the Packers give permission to the Jets to talk to Aaron Rodgers about coming to the Jets without talking about the compensation and the money of it all? Why would they do that? That makes no sense to me. And now all of a sudden, they're digging in their heels trying to get more, which I don't understand how they're even able to do that or why they even think they could do that. They have zero leverage in the situation at all. And you can argue that Rodgers coming out declaring that he wants to play for the Jets helped the Packers in this situation because... He has a no-trade clause, and he's only going to waive the no-trade. Look, at the end of the day, I don't see where the Packers are coming from. If I'm a Jet, if I'm with the Jets, you're not getting this year's first-round pick. From everything I've heard now since this came out, since he announced that he wants to be a Jet, now the Packers are digging in their heels, and they want the first-round pick this year. And my guess is they want a 2025 first-rounder as well because they don't think he's going to come back for 2025 and the Jets are going to stink in 2025. So I'm, I'm a, that's what I'm assuming is happening. If I'm the Jets, go ahead. Take the 2025. But you ain't getting this year's first-round pick. That's one. I'm just so confused because the second he agreed to come to the Jets, the de- this deal should have been done already on both sides. So the fact that the compensation talks are happening now just makes no sense to me. And oh, by the way, I don't know if you saw this. The Jets have also signed Alan Lazard. Which is which if even if they weren't going for Aaron Rodgers, I like that deal anyway. He's better than uh Corey Davis. And you're gonna probably cut Corey Davis. And you're getting at him I think you're getting him for cheaper. And with all this Rodgers shit going on, it helps with your Rodgers situation as well. Because that's a veteran wide receiver who's only played with Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be able to help. Um, 
He's going to be able to help Garrett Wilson, and he's going to be able to help Elijah Moore. He's going to be able to help those guys understand what Aaron likes to do. And I'm sure you're thinking in your mind right now, well, is he going to bring up the wish list, quote-unquote, that the that Rodgers gave to the Jets for free agents? Look, I mean, to sit here and act like this is some crazy, wild thing, you'd be fooling yourself. You don't think Tom Brady went to the Bucks with a wish list? Why do you think Leonard Fournette was on the team? Why do you think A.J. Brown, oh, not A.J. Brown, Antonio Brown was on the team? Why do you think Gronk was on the team? Okay. All these quarterbacks, especially an all-time great. I don't know. I don't see what the bitching and moaning is about. Yeah, he wants his guys. And he wants his guys to help with the guys that are already there. Now, can that cause a dilemma with the guys that are already there, considering they're all kids and they act like a bunch of kids? Maybe. But they should open their eyes to the fact that they have a Hall of Fame quarterback coming to their fucking locker room and they have a chance to win a Super Bowl. And yes, I said that. Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. The Jets have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Yes, they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's just... For the Jets side of things, you guys have you guys have pretty much sold your soul to this guy. And I understand, again, because he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. One of the greatest ever, probably top five ever to play the game. In my opinion, I mean, we could argue on that, but you can't tell me there's five guys that are better than Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so, I mean, I still wouldn't give them a king's ransom for the guy, though, considering he has a no-trade clause and he's only willing to waive it to go to, to go to your team. So, I don't, and he wants to leave, and they don't want him either. They See, this is why the Packers' whole, you know, digging their heels in right now makes no sense to me. They openly talked about wanting to trade and get rid of Aaron Rodgers. Openly. So, I'm a little confused here as to why you think you're going to get more now all of a sudden. I, I just don't get it. I really don't. No one else is bidding on this dude. The Jets are the clearly the only team that want him. Okay? So, I don't I don't know. I don't know. They're going to probably drag this thing out. I I get being nervous if you're a Jets fan, like the longer this thing goes, the less likely it's going to happen. You could think like that all you want. It's not going to happen. This guy came out publicly talking about how he wants to play for you and you're literally the only team like in the running to even make this deal right now. It's going to happen eventually. It just depends on the compensation. Although here's the only issue I have with with this Jets fans Woody Johnson, your owner, is highly, highly involved in this. And I don't think Joe Douglas is dumb enough to do this, but I do think Woody Johnson is dumb enough to do this. And it could get to a point where the patience runs out and he just says, fuck it, just give them the first-round pick this year and the 2025. He could say that. And Joe Douglas would have to do that because, you know, Woody Johnson's the owner. I don't think Joe Douglas himself is going to give up this first-round pick this year. I don't. But it could, I mean, there could come a point where Woody Johnson's like, fuck it, just do it. Um, that would be a huge mistake in my eyes. But we'll see what happens because we all know how freaking owners mess up 
all these situations. Um, but yeah, so look, at the end of the day, I know I said that this team can make a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, and I believe that. But that still, for Jets fans, should not r- really be the goal. Like, in the organization, it's clearly the goal because they're going all out. I get that. And they're kind of they're telling you that. But, Jets fans, settle down, okay? You haven't been to the playoffs in 12 seasons, okay? It's a long fucking time. It's a long fucking time. And, oh, by the way, your own division is a gauntlet. Not just the AFC in general, not the conference, not just the conference. Your division is a gauntlet. So, I think this will work out. I really do. Because you have a top five defense. That's why. You can sit here and argue me all you want about the season that he had last year. That Aaron Rodgers had last year. And missing the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. The dude threw... For 4,000 yards, the dude threw 26 touchdowns. Did he have more interceptions than he normally has? Yeah, he does. You put that stat line up against any of the Jet quarterbacks that have ever been on this team, it's better than all of them. Almost better than all of them. I think he's third best. Okay? So, I'm sorry. You get that play last year at the quarterback position? What he did for the Packers, um, you're winning 11 games, period, and you're in the playoffs. So that goes back to my point. Do I think you can win a Super Bowl with this guy as your quarterback? I do. Should your expectation be Super Bowl? No, it should not. Your expectation should be get into the goddamn playoffs and win a game at least. Now, if you don't do that, if you get into the playoffs – and you lose wild card weekend or in the divisional round because you have a high seed and you lose, you're just one and done. You go in there, one and done, done. That's disappointing. But look, 12 years is a long fucking time. Just get to the playoffs and this guy's going to get you there. That's a definite. And if that don't happen, guess who's gone? Joe Douglas is gone. Robert Sala, gone. So it's... It'll be all right. It'll be all right, Jets fans. You're going to go. All right. I'm going to end it with the Giants. I have a lot to talk about with the Giants. So um, there's been a lot going on with the team. Joe Shane has done a lot for free in free agency. But first things first, they signed Daniel Jones to a four-year, $160 million deal. And... Again, Joe Shane's been pretty damn busy this offseason. Look, $40 million a year for Daniel Jones. Throw that argument at me. I want to hear it. Ready? I'm going to give it to you. Oh, well, he only threw 15 touchdowns. Yeah. Well, he also ran for 700 yards and seven touchdowns. Okay? So, with nothing. All right. Is that worth $40 million a year? Guys, you know it's not worth $40 million a year. And I understand the feeling of of overpay. I get that. But listen. Clearly, Joe Shane has a plan. And 
here's what you have to be. This is not something you need to be concerned about, and and here's why. Brian Dable signed off on it. Now, if Brian Dable signs off on something, especially when it comes to personnel on this team, um, I'm okay with the decision. <laughs> this man came in here and took this roster, a disheveled-ass roster. We couldn't sign free agents for shit and took them to nine wins, a Week 18 meaningless game against the Eagles, and a playoff victory on the road in Minnesota. All right? So, look, if Brian Dayball thinks that Daniel Jones can be the future quarterback of this team, sign me up. I'm with it. I trust this guy. I trust Joe Shane. I'm with it. We can get into it, right? So, really, it's more like a three-year deal with a fourth-year option for the player or the organization. I'm pretty sure it's an organizational option, which makes this deal more like $37.5 million a year. That's not that bad. And with signing this deal, you're able to put incentives and bonuses in there at signing to where the cap hit is not going to be crazy this year. And you can defer money down the road. That way, lo and behold, the cap hit this year is only $17 million. Okay? So instead of the cap hit being 40 or 37 and a half, you're saving $20 million on the cap, which means you can go sign people, which, oh, by the way, they have done. Oh, you know what else? Signing Daniel Jones to a deal did? It kept Saquon Barkley on the team. Now, is he happy with getting franchise tagged? I'm sure he's not happy about it. But, I mean, I'm happy about it because that means Saquon is still on this team at a reasonable fucking number for a year. Which means, I hate to say this, this is definitely a fan's perspective. I'm not thinking of the human being. At Like, when I say this, I understand this. If he gets injured, and God forbid he gets injured, it's a one-year thing. And if it's a major thing, he's probably not going to be franchised again. He'll probably be able to hit free agency and see what he gets. I think he just wanted too much. I bet he's telling himself right now he should have took that deal during the bye week where they were negotiating at 12. And they had it to 12 and a half a year, I think. Three or four year deal. He didn't want it. And so I, from everything I heard, he was looking for 15 to $16 million a year. And the Giants just aren't going to do that for a running back. They're just not. So getting that deal done with Daniel Jones, not having to franchise the quarterback because you need the quarterback, helped keep Saquon on the roster because they were able to use the franchise tag on him, which I think is like $10.5 million. So is he upset? And Look, by the way, they could still work out a deal. Everything that I've heard after that was done, like the Giants still want to sign him, but at a reasonable number. And if he doesn't want to go off of it, they'll just franchise him again. I mean, seems pretty straightforward to me. You don't want to put yourself in a Cowboys situation where you pay the running back like Zeke got paid, and now after, I think, I don't know, two or three years into that deal, he got he just got cut. Cowboys cut Zeke. He is no longer a Cowboy. So, you know, you don't want to put yourself in that situation. So 
That's why getting that Daniel Jones deal is such a big deal. And look, this conversation has been had a hundred times since it's happened. It's been a while since it's happened. It's been a while since I've been on here, and I understand that. So I'm just getting my two cents in on that whole situation. We don't have to delve too deeply into that. But it helps free up cap space for this season. That's essentially why they did it. And oh, by the way, they're not paying him for what he did. They're paying him for what he's going to do when they put the requisite pieces around him. And, excuse me, that's a perfect transition to get into the requisite pieces that they have already put around him since they've made the deal. So, since they've made the deal, um, they franchise Saquon, of course. They signed Okereke, I forgot his first name, from Indianapolis, the stud linebacker who last year against the Giants had 17 tackles in the game and seems like the only guy who was even engaged in playing. I love that. He's he's. I think he led that team in tackles. And I think he had more tackles than... The Giants linebackers combined all season last year. So that's a huge deal. And that was a four-year deal, I think, at $10 million a year, I want to say. I'm not 100% sure on that. You can look that up. But he's going to be a stud, and that was a huge position of need for the Giants. Oh, they also re-signed Sterling Shepard to a one-year, like, nothing deal, like vet minimum probably. And that's a locker room piece. He's, I don't expect him to do much with the two injuries he's coming off. He's coming off an Achilles injury, and he tore his ACL last year. So I don't expect crazy things from Sterling Shepard. But I like that he's still that he's still in the locker room. Resigning Darius Slayton, I don't particularly love. Not sure, you know, how much of a cog he is. I get he led the team in receiving last year with 700 and whatever yards. But, you know, it is what it is there. I don't like that he talks a lot either. He has a big mouth. But that's neither here or there. They didn't, it's nothing crazy deal there. They re-signed Hodgins. I loved Hodgins. Um, and, oh, by the way, they traded for Darren Waller. I'll say that one more time. They traded for Darren Waller. For those of you who don't know who Darren Waller is, he is the stud tight end. From the Vegas Raiders. When this guy is healthy, and I get it, it is a key phrase when you talk about this dude. But it has to be said, when this guy is healthy, he is on the Travis Kelsey, the Mark Andrews, you know, the, the that level of tight end. Like, that's who he is. And we just traded for him for a third-round pick. And it's an expiring deal. So if he does get injured, unfortunate, would be unfortunate because I would expect him to be a major piece in this offense this year. But if he does get injured, it's an expiring contract. You don't have to re-sign him. You can just, you know, at the end of the season, let him go. You don't re-sign him. That, you know, didn't work out. Love that deal. He gave up nothing. You gave him a third-round pick. I'm good on that. It does come with that injury risk, though. It does come with that injury risk. But the the reward could be huge. And you only gave up that third-round pick. Um, <laughs> they also signed Paris Campbell, who is a promising receiver from Indy. He's made... I've, I've seen him have a few... You know, he, he's had some flash games, a few games over 100 yards. I don't hate the signing. 
I don't know what this overabundance for wide receiver is at this point. I think we still need to make a move for a number one. But look, again, I'm going to go back to the main point that I have about this team right now. I trust everything that these guys are doing. They've given me nothing to feel bad about since they've been, you know, in charge of this team. So, look, they want to sign all these guys and have a nice wide receiver competition. Great. Darren Waller's a big deal. I think you still need to go get a number one guy, and they're most likely going to draft a guy in the first round. So let's not forget about that. Um, again, yeah, still got to draft one. They're probably going to try to find a number one via trade. There's not really many in free agency. I th- I thought about Jacoby Myers. He's not a number one guy, but he's a guy that definitely has put up numbers. I thought about getting him, but then Oakland went out and or Vegas went out and snagged him, I believe. Juju got signed to the Patriots, which I'm good on that. Don't need him over here. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much how much you're gonna find in free agency right now, but you could maybe go get D Hop in a trade. I don't know if that's gonna happen now because I think the Cardinals are asking for a crazy, ridiculous amount for a you know older wide receiver. The hands are great, though, with him. But they still need to figure that out. They still need to figure out the wide receiver position and who's going to be the guy. Darren Waller could be that guy. He could. Darren Waller could be the best tight end in the league within Brian Dable's offense. That's my opinion. He just got to stay healthy. But you still need you know, a dude on the outside that you have trust in. They could go get Odell, and I have been saying I think Odell is going to be a giant again because he wants to be here. But then I heard on Aaron Rodgers' wish list that Odell is also on that list, so the Jets are also in play there. And apparently so are the Cowboys, but I don't think the Cowboys are going to do that. But we'll see. Apparently they're the favorites right now, but I think he's going to be a giant. So that's a big deal too. We'll see, man. But everything I'm hearing, though, the Giants aren't done. I do love everything that they're doing. I have no reason to not trust this regime. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the offseason to continue. I'm excited for baseball to start. I'm excited for the Knicks. I'm excited for the Rangers. Those playoffs are about to start. I mean, there's just a lot going on, man. There's a lot going on. And March Madness is happening right now. I don't know if anybody's been watching those games, but my bracket's been busted I already only put made two brackets this year. I mean, both my winners are still in it. I had UConn winning one, and I have UCLA winning the other one. But Virginia losing, Arizona losing, killed me, man. Killed me. But whatever. My team ain't in it this year. Carolina blew their whole season away. They played horribly. It was just a horrible season. I don't even want to talk about them. I, I'm mad that I even am ending this podcast talking about even mentioning that. Screw it. Just watch the March Madness games. They're fun. It's crazy when you see these upsets. It's fun to watch. I recommend it wholeheartedly. It's the best basketball on the planet. That's just my opinion. All right. I'm going to end it there. Again, I do appreciate the patience, guys. There's been a lot going on recently. I know it's been a month. I'm glad I finally got on. This was fun today. I'm going to try to be more consistent with this stuff. Um, but, yeah, man, you know, shit happens sometimes. I know you hear me say that a lot, but it is it, it's what happens. It's just what happens. <laughs>
All right. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your wives, husbands, sisters, brothers. You know, all that good stuff. Like, subscribe, follow me. Instagram, Winter Circle Pod. Twitter, um, at Winter1023. Appreciate y'all, man. Thank you. Have a good one. Have a great weekend. All right. Peace.